There's such a thing as too much. At this point, there's only so much discussing and explaining around agility that I can handle, after which point, I'm kind of over it. Now, I feel the need to take the conversation someplace else. But where? That's this week on the Badass Agile Podcast. Greetings, team. Welcome to the Badass Agile Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Williams. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So great to have you here. Thank you for all the ongoing support from each and every one of you. I appreciate it so much. In a previous episode, I suggested that Agile has to evolve. But where could it go? And what could be next? Well, first, let's remember why we're here. To create an elite tribe of leaders who truly serve their clients and communities by doing what matters and what works, relentlessly chasing value and excellence like a badass. There's so many resources about what you need to do to be agile, but we focus on who you need to become in order to lead teams. So let's hammer down those fundamentals to create a unique and powerful force in this industry. And if this helps you, tell your friends. Now, don't forget to check out my daily Agile inspirations for leaders by subscribing to my email list. You get a preview of next week's pages and a free video to help you align your week with strength and focus delivered straight to your inbox. You can also go there to submit your coaching or leadership questions all at badassagile.com. So sign up and post your questions today. Now, let's talk a little more about the evolution of skill. Think back to when you were first learning to drive a car. There was a time at one point when you couldn't drive at all. You didn't have the requisite skill. So everything you did when you were learning took all of your attention and focus. The way the steering wheel reacted with the rest of the car. How hard to apply the brakes and when. And never mind if you were learning standard, the interaction of the clutch and the shifter, and the accelerator as you sped up and slowed down. But at this point, you've been driving for a number of years, you don't have to think about steering and braking or shifting anymore. As those skills were repeated to perfection, those fundamentals have been rehearsed enough times that now you can focus on the higher order stuff, like knowing where the cops hide out so you don't get tagged if you're going a little bit over. We'll see Agile is very much the same way. After a certain point, more information on how to steer really, really well is not going to make you better. What you should be doing now is taking advantage of the fact that your rudimentary agile knowledge and skill is sufficient. So now you grow through practice and intelligent observation and refinement. Now you develop your skills in the surrounding areas so you can become more effective at helping organizations compete better, reduce waste, and strengthen its people. See, I believe we're studying the same old things, or a variant of the same old things, way too much. Because all the study in the world doesn't make us better at the issues that affect organizational agility. We're now in the 13th State of Agile report. And still, the number one cause of failure is the same as it's always been. Lack of business support, incorrect mindset. This is kind of like focusing on how to strike a piano key with perfection at any velocity, rather than writing great music that inspires and sets people on fire. There's a guitar player out there that I love named Eric Johnson. Now, he says reportedly that he can tell the difference between the kinds of batteries that he puts in his effect pedals. Now, this guy's written one of the most recognizable guitar riffs in recent history. It's an instrumental song called Cliffs of Dover, and if you ever hear it, you'd be like, I've heard that before. 
But I don't think that degree of perfection necessarily creates that level of success. For example, Sweet Child of Mine was written at a time where Slash was so drunk and high, he probably didn't know where his own face was. So there's such a thing as being too smart and too precise for your own good. What we need are more leaders who focus on the business of running with agility, not the mechanics. We don't need to care about what type of battery. Now that you have this agile superpower, how will you use it to enable the business? Rather than blame them when it all fails, let's make 2020 the year when this problem doesn't show up on the report anymore. So how do we go from treating agile like it's an academic science to using it in ways that actually engage and encourage the business to participate full on? Well, one area where agile has so much potential is in showing the rest of the organization how to flow. Think about it. Agile, Scrum in particular, but also just Agile in general, teaches us how to move from inspiration or idea to backlog to finished product that's in the marketplace. That kind of workflow, when it's lightweight and easy to memorize and repeat, with simple rules for engagement, is ridiculously powerful as a formula for how to work better and ultimately someday how to increase your speed. So what do you do with that? Well, here's another thing I say all the time, but it's worth remembering and re-mentioning. Business agility should not be limited to its current description of applying agile to software projects for business. To me, business agility means moving with agile mindsets and methods in all parts of the organization. Of really great interest right now is where a lot of great thinking and research has already been done. These guys are leading the pack in terms of business agility. Marketing, in many cases, does all of their work with an agile mindset. But you know who's actually pulling up the rear pretty quickly is human resources. Likewise, general operations and legal are always looking for ways to increase their customer service to the rest of the org. See, these groups now see themselves as a service for which the front-facing and customer-facing parts of the business are customers. And once you have that mindset, Those organizations are going to be looking for better ways to serve their internal customers, and that should be a clue to us that there's a huge opportunity to introduce agile workflows so that we can teach these guys how to flow from idea to delivered, finished product in the marketplace. To be specific, what we need to get good at next is teaching those parts of the organization how to do the following things and work with them to help figure it out, because it's not always a slam dunk. Number one, these groups need to know how to break their work into epics and stories or smaller pieces of any kind. When I think about my business personally, it's got quite a few epics. There's the podcast itself. There's evolving the subject matter or my own personal philosophy, which is the content or the idea. Then there's the public outreach that I do that's speaking engagements and so on. There's marketing. There's social media. There's SEO. There's the artistic and creative side. Then there's growing the team and nurturing the team creating assets that are repeatable, and then there's general sales and pipeline for the consulting. And on the consulting side, there's the actual coaching and consulting work itself. So there's a lot of moving parts there. For each and every one of those, I have to make sure I'm consistently moving the dial forward, but in priority sequence. And in some periods, the consulting side will be way more important. In other periods, the podcast or the speaking engagements will be more important. And in another period, there might be a burst of marketing activity. And not only do I have to prioritize all of those elements, now I have to figure out, and this is hard for a lot of different parts of the organization that are not traditional software, is how to deliver value in increments. How do you get to an MVP? 
What is your MVP? What is iterative delivery going to look like? See, a lot of times we dismiss Agile because we assume that what we make has a long protracted analysis and planning phase, a long delivery phase, and only when it's all done can we then release to the public. The key is helping them figure out how to do differently and deliver invaluable increments. The next thing that almost every business unit needs help with is figuring out how to quantify work so that we can plan rapidly and effectively, measure in a lightweight and sensible way, and appropriately staff and resource projects and initiatives. Surprisingly, it's hard. A lot of different organizational units are not accustomed to estimating their work. Another thing that's challenging that we can certainly show them is how to set up teams and teamwork so that the work we do is visible and easy to manage and report on. Likewise, how to create cultures of transparency and openness so that an inspect and adapt cycle is meaningful and can translate into real, measurable performance gains. So again, different parts of the organization will have different challenges figuring this all out. HR, for example, will inherently get team autonomy and continuous self-inspection, but they may struggle to split their work, whether it's hiring or policy building, into meaningful increments of delivery. Legal teams will also struggle with the same things, but they'll be very familiar with estimating and planning work. Marketing, on the other hand, has already done a lot to figure out incremental delivery, but they might be less disciplined around flow management and metrics. So bringing what we know and learn and practice about agility to these teams so that they can get these elements and assemble it into a smooth operating workflow that's value-driven is a huge area where we can add impact and really evolve the craft. Another area where we should be evolving agile is bespoke teams and processes. First things first, training and evolution of agile should be a non-event. Right now we have the certification volcano And then we have monumental milestones of education progress along the way. And I believe that we need to teach teams to grow their agile practice incrementally. I'm a huge believer that the way we learn in the current era is with small bite-sized increments of inspiration and education combined with an active practice in the workplace. Right now, when we think of an agile cycle, we almost never think about a learn component, right? We talk about inspect and adapt, but we don't necessarily add learning and continuous development of the team and its knowledge as part of the regular process, and we should. But more importantly, I think what bespoke teams and processes means to me is customizing Agile. See, there's too many dogmatic purists around Agile and its methods. And while we should maintain the integrity of the key values, not just the 12 Agile principles, but the scrum rules, like, I mean, I love the idea of a singular product owner, and I think we should keep that and enforce it. I love definitions of done. I think those are powerful tools. But at the same time, we have to be able to tailor tools and techniques that a team chooses to adopt or not adopt, because that will help aid in the initial uptake of Agile. So here's an example. Some teams will never start with Agile because they suddenly need to learn how to do all these things like estimate, create definitions of done, build a backlog, prioritize a backlog, and so on. So it seems overwhelming, so they never jump in. With some teams, it makes sense to start them with something, maybe a board that makes their work more visible, and some simple ceremonies for moving status daily and reflecting weekly. So that means a scrum board, a stand-up, and a retro. Start there, and don't worry about your fidelity to traditional agile scrum technique, because you can grow that 
over time if it fits. Once people start seeing the benefits and get hooked on the simplicity and elegance of the process, from there, we can add more processes as we mature. And teams that don't need definition of done or definition of ready don't ever have to adopt it. But some teams that need, for example, more discipline around measurement, like regulatory compliance, can add additional process that makes sense to them. That's what bespoke teams and processes means to me. A dogmatic approach to adoption is going to scare off many business teams. And that's what prevents Agile from spreading, is that terror of change we talk about so much on this podcast. Now, here's another way that we should be evolving the craft of agility to bring more value to organizations. Adding creative and innovation habits. See, right now, we're very, very well practiced in going from idea to backlog to finished product. But why don't we focus on processes that generate and harvest ideas as well? That also should be part of the flow. Because without it, you don't have a fresh supply of items for that backlog in the pipe. Agile teaches us how to experiment but not how to generate the hypotheses we need to experiment on. So as a result, there's this huge disconnect between innovation and agility, which doesn't make sense. Agile teams become the delivery arm of innovation, but they're not intimately tied to the innovation act itself. So put another way, the business comes up with ideas, the agile team programs the machines, but they don't all sit in the same room to do that work. And therefore, they never benefit from working together as an integrated whole. So is it any wonder that agile teams report a high degree of disconnectedness from the business? The business tends to continue to innovate the way they always have. Playing catch up with competitors or the industry at large and innovating as part of an annual planning cycle when we could be doing it so much better if we incorporated those acts into the agile delivery cycle. So these are some ideas I want to laser focus on, the higher order driving skills, which I promised at the turn of the new year, if you remember. We've done some thinking and talking about fear, and we've brought it to the fore so we can address it and manage it, but now it's time to have some fun and evolve the craft and how we deliver it to our organizations to add massive value to the industry. Friends, thank you for listening. You can reach out at badassagile.com or find me on Twitter at badass underscore agile. See you next time. And until then, stay badass.